0: avery group's podcast series talk retail to me where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries if you're new to parker avery and this podcast we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Ravery Group, we invite you to visit parkravery.com.
1: In last month's retail and CPG Advisor newsletter, we outlined Parker Avery's unique approach to organizational change management and why it raises the bar above traditional change management methods employed by most consulting firms. Today, we're chatting with Parker Avery change management leaders, Kathy Toll and Carrie Habel to talk about why this approach is so successful in helping our clients achieve true business transformation with meaningful and sustainable benefits. Hello ladies, I hope you guys are doing great on this Friday afternoon, we're here to talk about all things organizational change, both management and leadership. So could you ladies, Carrie or Kathy, tell us what makes our approach unique and different compared to what you've seen done at our
0: competitors? I can start off and then um, have Carrie jump in. And Heidi, you've been along for the rides with these projects too. So I think there's two big points of difference. Um, The first is we all grew up in retail and CPG and we understand the business. We understand the the functions. We actually, many of us served in roles in retailers or with um, consumer goods products. So that is a huge advantage because we understand the nuance change and the impact to the people. The other piece is we approach it very holistically is often there's two schools of thought. You focus on the organization and their process, the change process, or you focus on an individual and their change process. We do both. You cannot think an organization will be able to change and evolve without having, having all of the individual people change and evolve. And that happens at different times. And recognizing that is critical, especially for the leaders of the change so that they understand, Hey, Heidi's having a bad day. Ooh, you know what? I'm going to see if Carrie, Carrie's like a little further along on the change. I'm going to see if she can talk with Heidi um, and see if, you know, can't get her kind of past the point she is, but for me that those are it's like it's people and organization and it's knowing when when somebody well when somebody in IT says well we're just changing the user interface on the POS system, you don't just change a user interface <laughs> like for them it might, it might not be a big deal because they're experts in it. For somebody standing in a store that knows it inside and out and you go ahead and change all my buttons and tools and drop downs, that's a big deal. That's gonna have a huge impact and we know that.
2: Kathy, I never have bad days. <laughs> never have bad days. <laughs> that that I you never mean? have bad
1: days. Yeah. So
2: Carrie, what is what are your thoughts on our approach? Yeah, I would agree with Kathy. And I think one of the things too is um, at Parker Avery we don't take a cookie cutter approach. Um, I think we really we've got a really good established foundation. We've got a great tool set, I would say, that that we use. But we really listen to the client. We really embrace ourselves in their organization and understand their culture. And so I think it doesn't necessarily feel like change management in the traditional sense for a lot of people. They don't even really realize that's what we're doing or that's what we're taking them through because we really assimilate into, you know, their culture and really understand their business. Um, So that's what I would say, in addition to what Kathy had mentioned, as a a key point of difference. Fantastic. One of the things
1: that we internally released was an OCM playbook. You talked to us a little bit about the background of how this came about, how it's going to be used in the journey to getting
0: it done. Sure. So the, the background started... Many years ago, in a galaxy far, far away, um, anybody that's been um, with Parker or Avery for any amount of time is we've been working and building the toolkit as we grow and evolve through our projects. We decided a few years ago that we really needed to take a disciplined approach and a more structured approach. But as Harry said, I, I have never repeated in a client and the same OCM processes that we use at one client don't apply to the others. So we had to build a really robust toolkit. It's not like, you know, your little starter kit that you get a hammer, a screwdriver and a wrench. We had to build a full suite of tools that you can pick and choose, and also give like, let, let our people have the latitude to be able to adapt and or evolve them because that's how we've done as far as we have is we keep building and evolving our tools as we get better and more seasoned and more experienced with it. It's, it's interesting. I think about change management. It's not like a task, right? We're going to do change management now. It's not like I'm going to math class. And we don't treat it that, like Carrie mentioned it, We don't treat it that way is I think everybody in our firm, whether we would say our change practitioner or not, understands what is happening to the individuals as people and the process and the system. I am a huge um, advocate. Change management is not a function. It's not a person. It's not a little task force of four people in a company. It is a competency that has to be owned by every leader that is going to be interacting with people and leading. We're all leading some sort of change. It's not just a nice, neat check my eight boxes and we're done.
2: Kathy, or actually, Heidi, can I ask a question? Can I step in and out okay. question too? So I'm just curious, Kathy, just because I have only been with Parker Avery about two years now, but if you could share. Like the inspiration was there like a moment in time when you recognized that we needed to create a playbook yes indeed there was <laughs> do you want to share
0: so okay. the in- inspiration behind the playbook as a growing firm uh, many of us have been with the firm for several years and as we grow just like our clients when you've got a startup and they're growing and need a little bit more structure and process put around things. A few years ago, for me, I happened at that point, had been starting graduate school, and I needed to have a thesis project. So I thought, hey, why don't I take advantage of this program in communications and work on building the framework for our OCM playbook? This is like years and years of experience in education. It's not as if you go to a a three-day certification course, and bam, you're, you're all things change. It's just, it doesn't evolve that way. However, if you're put in a situation, I'm a firm believer, we all know more than we think we do about, about like working and collaborating with people. And it's always good to have a guide. But it was very much about our commitment to our clients. I mean, we all know when we're in with our clients, it's like, we are all in, and for us not to be able to do that with our oCM service would be truly truly disheart- it would be disheartening to me because we 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 do it naturally, but we need to make sure that we're not leaving anything out or behind.
2: I think the playbook for us too has been um, such an education tool for the entire firm, as you've kind of mentioning and it just helps to support change management and all the things that we do when everybody on the firm is on the same page and not necessarily that they're implementing specific change management activities, but there's a framework there. So our yes. guardrails and our guidelines um, for how we lead any type of yeah, project with yeah. the client. So. And
0: we're, we're going to crash through a guardrail. At, I know it because that's how we'll get better. But now we're, aligned where if you're going to go off track, let's just stay, keep the lines of communication open because you might be discovering the next cool new thing that really worked for you that we want to add to the toolkit.
3: Yeah. And I think this is Trisha. I think, you know, the toolkit of five years ago is not reflective of what the toolkit is now. I mean, it is far beyond, even if it was in its very infancy five years ago, it is far Beyond and better than the five years ago of the Parker Avery, you know, approach to change management.
0: Yeah, and that's just through. I mean, you—that's what's fascinating, and that's what I love about change. Is it is so? It's a bit ridiculous to say it is so dynamic, but the whole change world and the practice of organizational change management has grown and twisted and turned so much even in the past five to seven years. Yeah. Incredible.
3: Well yeah like the
0: way we used to treat it. And to what we're doing now.
3: Yeah, and you know, I, I I just was thinking about what I just said and it sounds like I was kind of trashing what we did five years ago. It's not to say that we were Mm-mm. that it was a bad approach five years ago. It's just that was a, a a great approach and we had great success. It's so much better than than five years ago. It's like five years ago on steroids. Like taking a good yeah. thing and putting on steroids. I mean, because it is so comprehensive. And so we've taken the best of ProSci and the best of Cotter's and the best of what we've learned through what hundreds of projects that we've done collectively. Yeah. And and it's just, it's amazing the, the success, you know, the eye-opening that cli- our clients are seeing. of Oh, this is what you mean. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah.
2: I well, mean, the last it's like year and a half too, with yeah. COVID as well. Just you know how we work, and there's been such significant change that people are going through—not within a project or within an organization, but significant life changes. So I think there's been a lot of things that people have been able to take that we have brought to them into their own personal lives. Yeah. Quite frankly, yeah.
0: so. And that was then, right? You know, that's five years ago. We're five years forward. Even John Cotter has some of his. His lifelong tenants, um, establishing a sense of urgency, burning platform. He has written and talked about backing off of that mm-hmm. because when you agitate people, they become stressed and cognitively they start to melt down. Like our executive function goes haywire. You know, it's all relearning what we thought we knew. And that's hard when you're an adult mm-hmm. and you think you know your stuff, right? You have to be open to to question your own, like, well, we did that five years ago. It was fine. And you have to be open to like blowing up your own stuff and kind of rebuilding it.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: One of the things you mentioned, Kathy, that I think is really appealing and can be appealing to clients is that we're not going to try to force an entire program onto them, but it's like a menu of there could be a light version. There could be a medium version. There could be a full on. We want to take it all on because we're a train wreck kind of, change management. But what are some of the typical responses that we get from clients when we start to approach them with the topic of OCM or change leadership? Do you ever hear, we can host our own pizza parties
0: or something like that?
1: <laughs> what, what 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 are the obstacles you face and how can we get around
0: them? Well, I'll, I'll throw that one over to Carrie, because I, I think she's got some examples that are more along the lines of what we were used to hearing in, in OCM, and then I can kind of piggyback on the evolution, you know, with COVID the past two years has seemed to have, you know, changed minds a bit. So, Carrie, I know you've had the, the pizza party. That's fine. We're party that's fans. good. Or
2: candy. Yes. How much candy? What kind of candy do you provide? Um, I think that, um, you know, honestly, most most organizations or most leaders will typically say, I don't think we need change management there is more openness, I would say, to learning a little bit more about change management and well, what does that entail? Because I think there's a lot of confusion out there and different, you know, different organizations offer different things. Every organization has their own maybe HR team or you know like Kathy was saying earlier, maybe a change management committee or something like that. So there's so many different elements of all those things. But I think for us, it's just identifying these are the services that we offer and how we do that. Um, because typically, it isn't always well known. Um, yes, we do need change management. And here's why. You don't usually typically get that answer from an organization.
0: And I think here I'm building on the, I mean, you can't get a squishier term in change management. Mm-hmm. If there's four of us now chatting about it, we all have four different versions in our head. So when we're talking with clients, it's less about, change management like that phrase and it's more about how are you going to help your people adopt and continue along the new process the new system the what have you that's what we're trying to do is get people to adapt change behaviors and adopt whether it's you know a new way of doing things a new way of working a new structure the past I would say Particularly with COVID hitting, is I think a lot of organizations don't might not understand change management. But man, with COVID, they figured out they needed it really badly because, as you said, people were struggling so much personally, professionally. You know, it's it's like socially, we just had so much chaos going on. I feel like we hear less and less. It's like, oh, that's just that's the touchy feely stuff. There, there's other ways to go through it. It's really about consistent communication, educating the audiences at the right time when they need the information. I think you all know, like, for me, change management, That just those two words, I'm like, oh, don't say it. It's resiliency. It's adaptability. It's the ability to get knocked down, stand up, and keep going as an organization. And that's a capability. An individual being able to do something is a competency, but if an organization is known for their ability to pivot quickly, that is a capability that the organization owns. And I don't think a lot of organizations would say they're highly capable in change.
1: So, Carrie, we do a lot of system implementations as Parker Avery Group. Our, is a playbook only appropriate for system implementations, or can it be used or other things going on within an organization? Is
2: that a trick question? No, of course it It can absolutely be used in all all different aspects of any project, any organization, um, any conversation, quite frankly. So I think we can take elements um, in a lot of different ways and leverage so many of the different pieces of change management, our particular playbook. Um, I mean, even quite frankly, even in the way we work, you know, so as we are working, um, you know, as a Parker Avery team, I think in one of the last projects, a peer of mine and I decided, gosh, you know what, we actually are maybe in a a different place around the, the change curve. Like, let's figure out how we got here and let's start to kind of pull out some of those tools that we are using with our clients and use them on us. And we didn't recognize that that would be an opportunity, but it was. So, um, so absolutely, we can use it in all different aspects. And as I mentioned earlier, too, even you know, I mean, I take components of it and use it at home or with my kids. Or <laughs> so there's <clears throat> there's many different um, never many different places that we can leverage the tools. Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so I I use it at home, especially when my husband tries to change the layout of our living room furniture. <laughs> I go into the valley of despair. And I have to leave because I, I, I dislike change so much, especially around the house, because it, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Kathy, you mentioned earlier about it's not a person or two people that are guiding this within an organization. It is it is the organization as a whole. Have you ever seen a project where IT team tries to lead the change management with the business organization? And how did that work out?
0: Absolutely, oftentimes, we are coming in under or on behalf of IT. And it's needed with any system work. It's needed with process work. It's, with, it's needed with reorganization work. But if it's just IT driving it, it will fail. You need, the business, you need end users, business people, sitting at the table from day one that say, yes, I'm in, and yes, we'll own this. Because us doing all of the work in IT, shoving it down their throats, and then we leave the building, absolutely adds zero value, like no value. And that's if there's not a business person or two or three sitting in the room, I'm like, where are they? Let's get them, because <laughs> they're going to be the ones living with this.
1: So, Trisha and I have some shared experiences in prior larger consulting organizations. Who surprisingly didn't have a structured set of tools for organizational change, although it was always pitched, but winged
2: it at every path. Have you guys had similar experiences at, with other organizations? I've had lots of different or similar experiences, I would say, and even even sometimes when there is a, you know, if there if an organization has their own change management team or playbook of their own, so to speak. I, I think a lot of times there's just, it's not implemented. It's not part of their culture. So the really great organizations that mm-hmm. I see out there, you know, it's not necessarily that they have a specific team, but it's just embedded in their culture. And so, so I, I, I've definitely seen a, a lot of opportunity though, and even large organizations that do have no filter of change management, if that makes sense. And you can see that in, like, leadership indifference, where, you know, there's just not alignment at the top. There's, like, confusion with employees. There's a lot of turnover. There's lack of unity. I think there's just so many different unfortunate, I guess, results of a lack of, yeah, consequences. Thank you for that word. Um, but, yeah, I think there's just there's a lot of things that you can see and you recognize real quick that they either don't have anything in place for change management or they're not – holding themselves accountable or executing it.
0: Yeah, I would, it's so so much, you can have the best playbook, best set of tools in the world. And we all know it comes down to implementation. If you can't own it and use it and be really articulate in it as if it's something you do every day, then it's just another, you know, eh. It's another set of ABCs, or God forbid, a binder or manual that sits on the office. Yep.
3: Oh. Beware of shelfware. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. and that's even think about it. Like Carrie mentioned, organizations that really like that have that change capability, it's part of their new hire orientation. Like if they if they have new managers coming in. Change leadership is part of the new hire orientation, just like some other management skills would be. So for me, that's where I'm always like, this is just about leadership development and 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 helping your people develop really great people who then go on to be promoted and do good things at the company.
1: So going back to the playbook and, and our clients, if in the upfront part of the project, the client says, nah, we're going to wing it. We're good. People will just sit down, do what we tell them. It's all going to be fine. If they find out things aren't necessarily going so great that people are not staying back and just doing what they're told, um, is it possible to jump in in the middle and try and help course correct on a project? Or is it? Is there a point where it's too late?
0: Oh, no, there's always, you can always course correct. It's a matter of how long do you is if you have delayed bringing in, for instance, you've been working on a design for six months and now you bring in change experts, you're, you're going to need another six months it, because you need to backtrack and lay down all of the groundwork that wasn't done. So and I, and I think we've all been in situations where we've been brought in to what I call triage, where it sort of went sideways. And with organizations, it's like, you're, you're going to do some form of change management before the project, during the project, or you will pay for it after the project because it it is going to happen or you end up investing millions of dollars in in something that people decide they're just going to work around. They're like, I, I don't have to do this. And it doesn't stick. But it's always, it, I think it's always self- salvageable. If, people's heads are in the right places to do it because it's hard. It is hard and it's messy. Yeah,
2: I think one of the biggest challenges too is to get people to stop and slow down and assess, whether it's at the beginning, whether it's in the middle or at the end of a project. It's like to stop and slow down and say, like, you know, where, where are we at? What have we done well? What What do we need to continue to work on? Or be able to predict some of the past behaviors to, you know, start a project at the very beginning, knowing, okay, this happened last time. So let's not do that again. I think there's a big opportunity there. And if we, were, if we were to ask ourselves those questions at the beginning of anything that we do, we might create a different path as we move forward.
1: Some of our clients have occasionally said that they've tried to outsource consulting firms to come in and help them as an OCM team, but they had a poor experience. How do we address that and get them back on the OCM bandwagon that this is something that can be done better and be done well?
0: It, it really comes down to thinking about whatever type of change it is, or it might not even be a specific change, but there's so many moving parts at a company. It really comes down to how do you want to bring your people along? How important is it? How important are the people being successful to this change? And really helping understand organizations as they're, progressing through things we've all had a bad experience and again it this is something where I am an absolute I love a challenge right I mean you all know me I love the challenge so I'm like you give me four weeks and I will demonstrate value to you because it's it is tedious it takes time it takes energy and we've all you know we've been in a situation where We're working with somebody that's been in their position for 30 years, and they're learning a new system, and they start crying. That's hard. That's kind of hard to work with to get that person through it. So I think many times people start with like, yeah, we're going to do change management, and then they sort of abandon it after the first or second week because it's like, oh, it's kind of harder than I thought because people aren't, aren't necessarily nodding their heads yes as vigorously as I thought they would. And now I'm going to have to start working hard.
2: Yeah. Well, I think improperly managed change too it really creates a lot of fear. So it creates fear at all levels for sure. People get concerned about, you know, their, their roles. What's going to happen to me? Is my role changing? Am I going to lose my job? Like no matter how small the change potentially could be, people are going to say, what's in you know, what, how is this going to affect me? What's in it for me? And I think, you know, when, when, when you don't go through the, the true change management, the elements that are most important to whatever, your, your, whatever the change is, when you don't go through those things in the right way, it really, it impacts job satisfaction and performance and productivity. And, you know, you end up, like I mentioned earlier, like you have turnover, you have lack of alignment, like there's so many risks. So it's it's really important to be able to recognize like what are those elements of the change management process that you need to follow.
0: I think some of it too, Heidi, is going back to if you bring in an external resource, it's like, you know, you're the visiting relative, right? Unless you have people in that organization in leadership positions that are going to own it and keep it alive and be part of it then don't bother because that skill set will leave when those people leave the building. Um, This is so much about knowledge transfer and being able to give other people the skills they need to. It's not about a magic wand where we come in, wave it, and now everybody's great. And and I think sometimes as we get further into projects, you start to see it within our clients where they're like, nope, not my job. (laughs) I'm not going to take that on. And there just has to be a, you know, dig your heels in, and you absolutely have to have people that are invested in wanting to see whatever the change is succeed.
1: Carrie, you've mentioned the change management process. Many of our projects have a typical cadence where we do design, build, test, train, sustain. Does the playbook that we've been talking about and the process that we follow have artifacts for each of those, or do we step away, like, in the build phase where not much is necessarily happening on the business side or are there activities from the
2: start until the day we walk out the door? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, it obviously depends on which project it is, but um, there's always elements that we would include in every phase of any type of project for sure. So we don't ever walk away. I think sometimes the organizations think we should, and it's like, no, we have to kind of nudge them a little bit. No, we're not walking away here this is actually where we actually need to be most is usually the, the answer but um yeah so we would ha- we would have elements of it throughout every phase of any project
0: and that's a great question heidi because like when, when we're in design or build sometimes you know sometimes we call it the quiet time of the project that is deadly to the organization if ongoing communication and advocacy is not happening because when things go silent And people that know somehow, someday, they're going to be impacted, that really starts to raise the stress level. And so that's for us when we start doing the work with the leadership team and middle managers all the way down on, okay, it's quiet now, but as we move into implementation and go live, it's going to get a little crazy. So here, that's when we really start, we work on focusing on the tools that they will need in order to help their people through it. But I, I agree, Carrie. I think our sometimes our clients are like, Yeah, you can go now. It's like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> no, we're
1: saying Daddy, you brought up something really interesting that there there are times in a project when it gets quiet. Have you ever found that if you don't maintain that level of communication and they're not hearing what's going on or getting any kind of project status updates, did they just start making up their own stuff on the business side based on like rumors and whisper down the alley or game a telephone? Oh yes.
0: And we're, we're not, for good or for bad, we just, we don't jump to good conclusions. Our, our minds are just wired to jump to, like, worst-case Um But, you know, we're just, phew. And then I just, you know, might, like, say, hey, I was just thinking to Carrie, and she says it to you, and then it, you know, goes, goes down the virtual water cooler, which has really been fascinating in this era, because... The water pool is still alive and real. It's just on Slack or it's on WhatsApp or it, it's on a different medium, but it's still going on. And it's like being able to tap into those informal influencers that you have to stay to, to understand all of the, um, the subtext that's going on.
1: Has there ever been an opportunity where they come and say, you know what, We would like to leverage what we've done with you and build a change team within our own organization. Can we leverage the toolkit to help them customize one for their own organization?
0: Yes, actually, that for me is, is one of my probably most gratifying projects. And Heidi, you and I worked on one where we helped an organization build their, their playbook that was customized for them and then onboard their people. And it was, a, it was a really rigorous program of taking them through a module. They would have homework. They'd have to go and like actually do it, come back the next week. Um, but there is no reason why any organization cannot have some form of a playbook for change. To me, that's happily one of the things that I think makes an organization better and improves their overall performance is don't just bring it in when you have something really major going on or something has gone sideways. Own it. Have have a common language. Have a process. You know, know what the prioritization and criteria is. But yes, we've been able and, to help clients that way.
1: And you, have you ever had clients say we already have a training department. We don't need a change management. <laughs> and how would you respond to that?
0: Yeah, and Carrie, you probably have have hit this is or that's HR's job. We talked about it in one of the articles where so, metaphorically somebody's pointing their finger at HR mm-hmm. <laughs> and they it's their job. And again, it's their support function. Training is a support function, but they're not the ones that own the, the ability to be agile and to be adaptable is it's not, I mean, we all know because I went to a training doesn't mean I am proficient. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean I understood it. As adults, if I don't fall down a few times and like kind of work the kinks out, I'm not going to learn how to be better. Yeah. And I, for I, I know in our work some of the challenges we see is it's, you know confident professional adults. I don't want to look like a ding dong next to my colleague. You know, if, if we're like, learning some a new process and they're picking it up like A B C, and I'm like, what? go back. That that's hard. And I think we have to give that um, person credit you have to acknowledge that it's like good yet you know there's nothing wrong with that person catching it a little faster than another person it's just how we all learn differently but if it were just training hell you go to a seminar for two hours you'd be good to go
2: I think so a lot of clients as well they do have a training team or they you know say well we've got a HR group or that will support this. I think the point of difference again for us is that we are a part of the project, like from the beginning to the end and beyond, because we also focus on sustainment. But typically, there is an organization is not gonna have the capacity to probably assign a leader for change um, within a particular project as well. So we certainly partner with those individuals, but we can be the dedicated resource.
0: And that's where to have the business involved. Because they can, that any of the tools that we're using are left for for our clients to use. It, it's like it, it's not a secret sauce. You know, the, the, these are you've got all of the tools, and we try to help our clients understand what's happening as we're going through it, so they can duplicate it or replicate it when we leave.
1: So, ladies, this has been really outstanding hearing the points of view of Park Avery and how we approach change management. But we are coming up at the end of our time, but I would like to give you the chance to have some final thoughts. So Carrie, would you mind giving us
2: your one minute to the world? My one minute to the world. Oh, you put me on the spot. Um, I would, well, I guess I would just say, you know, for all of us, it's just really, it's really important to start by embracing change. So no matter who you are, no matter what role that you play, I would say you are a change agent and need to be a part of the change. So it can't be left up to a specific committee. So be the change, I guess, that you want the world to see. Is that what is that what that quote is? Something exactly. similar to that. That would be my one-liner.
1: And Kathy, what about
2: your one minute for the world? Um, I
0: will just reinforce what I um, have been talking about throughout is it, change management is it doesn't have to be this mysterious, laborious, 87-step process. It's a beginning, a middle, and that constantly evolves and goes on. So I'm a huge advocate of um, a good manager has to be able to lead people through change. In the year 2022, as we move into it, if you can't help, help people evolve through change, you're not going to be a good leader. So it's more about thinking of change management as a discipline and thinking about change management as a skill set and something that can be learned and adapted. But it's it's not a big, scary monster. I, I know some people think it's this big, complex beast. And I'm like, no, I mean, we've all been through change. You got on a bike, you fall off, you try it again, you fall off, you figure out how to do it, and then you go help somebody else do it. Thank you for your time. It was so
1: good to see you. And I'm really looking forward to the next time we get the band back together.
3: <laughs>
2: thank you. Great. Me too. I get to play drums.
3: Well, next one, we're talking about um, home goods and holidays,
2: right?
3: Yeah. Ah, that's in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. So that'll be yeah. fun. Have a great weekend, ladies.
0: Terrific. Well, thank you. Bye, you guys. Too.
3: Bye. Bye. So that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found value in the content and in the discussion. If you have any questions and would like to reach out, please feel free to visit our website at parkeravery.com. We also invite you to join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group.